You're listening to Fundraising Radio, a podcast about fundraising for early stage startups. The major rule that we follow here is no bullshit on this podcast. No music to relax you, no advertisements of our sponsors. We only talk about fundraising here and nothing else. So let's jump into the episode. And today's a guest speaker. We have Gregory Shepard, founder at Boss Capital Partners and a legendary founder with 14 personal exits, one of which was affiliate traction that was acquired by eBay for $985 million. So he also had numerous exits of his companies that he has invested in. So in this episode, we'll really talk about those acquisitions, those uh, sales and how he managed to make that many successful companies. So Greg, let's kick it off by you giving us some background on yourself and on Boss Capital. Okay, well, thank you very much. So that transaction, I was part of the transaction, um, but it was 14 companies. So what happened is they bought my company and then we did a carve out of 14 companies from eBay. And that trans, and then we sold 12 and they bought another one of mine in a different company. And then uh, the whole transaction during the carve out was like nine, 925, 985, something like that. Then um, later on, uh, one of the assets we bought was sold for 1.8 billion, and nice. the other one, one of them was sold for 75 million, and other one sold. I, you know, anyway, you, you get the idea. And it won yeah. for private equity awards for transactions between 250 and a billion, because uh, it was extremely complex. I mean, it was gnarly. Um, so. You know, I've done all these startups, right? I've done uh, I've done 14 exits uh, to date, two this year, um, 12 of which I founded and ran as the CEO myself. Um, the other ones I was a heavy hand in. The most recent one, uh, which was just a few weeks ago, um, I was the CTO and CSO for. Um, and what I what I do is I use this system I invented called BOSS, which stands for the Business Operating Support System. And so basically, over the years, I tried every possible thing I could try for like 25 years. And what I mean by that are different operating systems. Operating systems are things like Agile and Scrum and Kanban and Six Sigma and 40X and OGSM and OKRs, and it goes on and on. And during that process, I tried different things at different times in the business, and I found that there are all of these little things out there that uh, people over the years have invented, some old, some new, but they're not efficient standalone, and they're not good for all companies at different stages. So I used some of the stuff that was out there, and then I reinvented a bunch of new things in order to create a system that helped with the problem that I was trying to solve, my personal mission is to help more entrepreneurs succeed. And by doing that, help with wealth distribution. So what I was trying to do is just solve the problem. So then I went out and did 1200 interviews to figure out why entrepreneurs were failing at what stages, you know, what was going on. Mm -hmm. And it was a pretty, pretty interesting situation um, that, that we went through where, <clears throat> excuse me, where what we found out is that if you go out and you ask why did they fail, why did they fail, why did they fail, most of the time it says not enough capital. And actually, it it if you ask another question right after that, say why did you have enough capital? What what did you need capital for? You find out 
that they didn't really need capital. It was just just a, a series of different mistakes that they made during the business process, things like overfunding the business or overpricing the business or getting too much at too soon. I mean, there's a series of different reasons why these things happen. And so I created Boss and there's five stages of Boss. There's five levels in businesses and there's five reasons why businesses fail. All those things are aligned. So the first part of Boss is the North Star. And the North Star is the most important part of the whole process because a lot of entrepreneurs don't realize that, you know, the concept of understanding where you're going before you start uh, is critical. It sounds really silly, but a lot of times they don't understand, right? So they don't know that, mm -hmm. you know, if you, you, you end up where you're directionally headed, so you don't ready fire aim, you ready aim fire, right? So you look and you say, okay, this is what success looks like. And you back into how do you accomplish that success? And that's the first step. So there's what is your business? Why should somebody buy your business? So what is your business and your product? And why should somebody buy your business and your product? And who is this person that buys your business? And who is the buyer of your business, your ICP and your IAP, your ideal acquisition um, and the ideal customer uh, profiles? And once you have all this stuff worked out, then you can be directionally correct and you can intentionally send your business in the direction it needs to go into. And then the second part is the strategy. This is the plan, essentially. The plan is divided by functional areas. So there's typically four functional areas, including the CEO, five functional areas. So you have the CEO's house just there, and then you have the sales and marketing people, and then you have service delivery, and then you have shared services. This is operations like, uh, you know, IT, uh, this is HR, this is accounting, this is legal and so on. Mm -hmm. And then you have product and engineering. And so you divide what needs to be done in those four functional areas and the fifth being the CEO. And then after you do that, now you have this huge list of things to do. Well, those things are missions and missions are from X to Y by date. Then you establish objectives. Those objectives are from X to Y by date, and then you uh, uh, assign tasks, activities to accomplish those objectives. Well, now you've got this big list of things and you have to prioritize them. So you prioritize them by important and urgent. You do the important things first so the urgent things don't happen. Most companies don't realize that when people are running around their hair on fire in a business, it's because they didn't prioritize the important things first. Urgent things are a sign that you didn't prioritize things correctly in the first place. And then the second uh, part of that prioritization is what has the highest impact with the lowest effort. And then you go into to standardization, which is where you create accountabilities and best practices and triggers. So what and when something happens and how it happens. And that creates standards in your company. And then you move into optimization, which is Kaizen, which just means continuous improvement in Japanese. And you just continuously improve by evaluating the standardization that you have in place and then creating new missions, objectives, and activities from that. So that's like a very simple explanation of, of how boss works, but there's a lot of stuff on the website, gregoryshepherd.com that, that goes into it further. I'll definitely include the website in the description of this episode. And yes, seems like it's going to be a pretty, pretty complicated mode, but 
let's get back to your personal exit. So do you think that's the reason for why you've managed to build so many successful companies was because of this boss system that you've uh, basically built and invented? Yeah, 100%. You know, I mean, I tried everything over many, many years with a lot of businesses at different stages and different functional areas. And I've, I, mean, I was trying to figure this out for myself. You know, I, I was just like, how do I build businesses better and faster and more efficiently and take less money from from investors so I have less dilution so I can make more in an exit? How do I accomplish this? And I refined it down to the point where it was working. And then, you know, I used it for Congress, uh, congressional candidates, and uh, I've used it for uh, running a marathon and riding a bicycle 525 <laughs> miles and, and a lot of things, right? And I was like, this system actually works. And I was keeping it for myself. I got to a point where I wanted to give back, you know, where I wanted to dedicate the rest of my life to giving back and helping entrepreneurs. Um, because this is the area that I can help with this problem that we have in the area of wealth distribution. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to start talking about it. So I started writing articles and talking about it. And then I got a book deal with Forbes. Um, and I've written 100 articles for 29 publications, Fortune, Forbes, Entrepreneur, stuff like that. Um, and then it started to catch on with the universities. And so we're doing workshops at universities. And so all of this stuff was just to, to help, you know, to try to help. I mean, think about it. What industry would accept a 90% failure rate? 10 people walk in a room, one person walks out successful. Like that's just, I mean, really? Like nobody is like sitting here going, oh, maybe we should take a closer look at this. <laughs> Instead, everybody's like, yeah, let's just keep going. And, and all the investors are like, well, let's just do risk, you know, risk analysis and stuff like that. Instead of like, okay, let's get to the root of the problem and really try to fix this and help. I mean, if 90% of students were falling out of university, I think somebody would do something. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I decided that that person would be me until somebody else came along. And this is how I decided I could help. Awesome. Perfect. That's that's great. And it's awesome to hear that you're you know, dedicated to giving back. And that's actually why you're on Fundraising Radio. And thanks a lot for taking your time to do this. Uh, but let's get back to the thing that kind of caught my interest, which is the 200 interviews that you've made with founders who failed. Other than capital problems, what do you think was the major mm -hmm. issue that you saw there instead? I mean, you mentioned one that was, you know, over over raising, raising too early, raising too much, raising at too high valuation. But is there one that's like anonymous? Basically, pretty much everyone did this. Maybe they didn't focus on customers enough or some other very similar mistake that you've seen across all those 200 interviews. Well, let me give you where the majority of the fall off happens. So sounds the, good. Yeah, I mean, this is so the majority of the falloffs happen happen after people leave an accelerator, and it's not because of the accelerator. It's because the entrepreneur is not trained on how to run a business. They understand how to build a deck and raise capital um, from the accelerator. They help them with that, and they understand some of the basics of running a business, and they give them a mentor, and they do the best they can, but. You know, that's like somebody getting a bachelor's and then sending them into Morgan Stanley, right? It's you you need to have more experience. You need to have more behind you to make sure that you don't make the mistakes uh, that can be made. And so what happens is 
you know, there's this term I use called the horse and the jockey. The horse is the business and the jockey is the entrepreneur. So you're out there trying to raise money and you draft a deck up and then you start talking on to investors. Most of the decks don't have an exit strategy and investors don't get their money until the business is sold. So you're missing part of it. Like, how am I going to get my money back? I don't know. When? I don't know. I'm just building a business, right? How are you going to go to market? How can you justify the amount of money you're raising, right? Oh, well, you know, I don't, there's no go to market. And I don't mean a sales strategy. That's not a go to market strategy. People always say, well, I have a go to market strategy. And then I look at it and I'm like, no, that's not a go to market strategy. A go to market strategy is where all four functional areas are prepped for going to market. Everything is aligned correctly to go to market, not just, oh, this is how I'm going to sell my product and this is who I'm going to sell it to. It's a lot more complicated than that. So they're not, they're missing those two things. And so now when they're talking to investors, the investor isn't convinced that this jockey can ride this horse. And the fact of the matter is most of them can't. And so they get an investment, they jump on the horse and they fall off. And this happens over and over. And then they go for another round and they're over budget and not on time because they've never ridden a horse before. So they didn't cross the finish line when they should because they fell off a bunch of times. And then they can't get another round. So mm -hmm. the, the thing that I tried to do with Boss was to take something from that stage. So an accelerator does a good job on the front end. And this is after that because that's where the big drop off is. So it's like 50% of them happen right after that. So the idea is to come in and instruct the jockey on how to ride the horse. Say, here's a horse. This is how it works. This is the saddle. This is how you jump on. If you do this, you're going to fall off. If you do that, you're going to fall. Look out for this. That's... So you draft it, and then you put together a plan. In the first lap, you should be here. In the second lap, you should be here, and so on. And if, you work, if it works out right, you will accomplish the finish line. So that's one big, big deal. Okay, the second big deal is listening to investors <clears throat> that have never been an operator. So right. as an operator and an investor, you know, a lot of times the investors like telling them things. And this is some, you know, guy that went to some business school and came out and then went right into private equity and started working with private equity and listened to the other guys who came up the same way. And everybody's uh -huh. telling the same story and the entrepreneur doesn't know any better. So they're listening to them but they're listening to people that have never built a business themselves before. Huge, huge mistake. They, they drive these entrepreneurs crazy and they drive the businesses into the ground sometimes. So the other one is that, you know, listening to bad advice and focusing on the wrong things. So when you, when you're building a business, a lot of times if you know, I've been on panels where I've had uh, heated discussions with people about the concept of having an exit strategy when you start, beginning mm -hmm. with the end in mind. If you think about this, a good acquisition is a synergy. You get the big multiples from a synergy. Well, what, let's break down what a synergy is. A synergy is either the company that's buying you is either buying you to save or make money. And most of the time they're buying you to make money. And why is that? They have accomplished building, you know, let's say 10,000 customers. And each one of those customers have an ideal customer profile. So that ICP, is who buys their product that they've proven. Now, let's go back to you as an entrepreneur. 
you're building a business and you're not tracking your ICP up against your buyer's ICP, up against your acquirer's ICP. Now you're five years in, two years in, three years in, whatever it is, and you're like, okay, I'm going to sell, and and now you're out there looking for a buyer. I mean, that's first of all, that's insane, right? So you don't just build a product without having a customer. So why would mm -hmm. you build a business without having an acquirer? And why wouldn't you match up the requirements of those two so that you're moving towards that process? The buyer of your business that has 10,000 customers has already absorbed all the cost, all the CAC, all the customer acquisition cost associated with acquiring those customers. And they have a CAC to LTV ratio, CAC to lifetime value ratio. The amount of money they make off the cost, the profit they make off the cost of acquiring a customer over the length of time and the amount of money they make on that customer. Mm -hmm. So when they have saturated their customer base, the only thing to do to increase the CAC to LTV ratio, the amount of money they make off of acquiring the customer and selling them products is by increasing the lifetime value. And you can only do that one of two ways, either get them to buy more stuff or extend out the time frame that they're a customer of yours. Most of the time, the combination. So they're buying your company because your company is going to grow their lifetime value, increasing the multiple. So if you haven't planned for that ahead of time, meaning your ideal customer profile and theirs don't match up, when you go to try to exit to them, that is going to be a huge question mark. And you can't fix it in the last six months of due diligence. Right. right? You can't go and go, oh, sorry, 90% of my customers aren't your ICP. And they're going to be like, yeah, well, this doesn't work for us. And then you lose the acquisition. So starting with the end in mind puts to rest some of the risk that you have later on, which at that point, the risk is fundamentally worse because at that point, you've got multiple rounds of funding. You've got people there. Now you've, you've set your bar high in terms of your burn rate. You can't just turn around very easily and say, okay, I'm going to fire 50% of my people and 50% of my customers and rebuild that ICP. And now you're years out again. You got to do more capital mm -hmm. funding. You get underfunded, blah, blah, blah. Right. That's one thing. The other thing is overpricing your business. So what I mean by that is entrepreneurs don't realize that, you know, investors want to get two to five times their money back. Okay. So if you do a round of 10 million, you're actually right there. At, if that's your first round right there, you're saying your business is going to sell between 20, 20 and 30 million. Now you do another round you do another round and pretty soon your buyers, your business is just not worth what the valuation is. So you either have to do a down round, recapitalize the business, or try to raise more money and increase sales. And that becomes the vicious loop because it costs money to increase sales. So you have to raise money, which raises the valuation and around you go. And pretty soon your company costs more to buy than it's worth. So you have to think this through and plan it out and say, Maybe I take a little bit smaller of a valuation in the beginning and I grow my value valuation over time to, to make up for the, the beginning part. This planning your rounds and the amounts over time is different because there's the push or the pull. And so most people, what they do is they say, oh, I need this much money to run my business. So that's how much they raise. So basically the investors will give them this long leash to run on. When the entrepreneur doesn't really know 
So how irresponsible is it to raise $5 million when you think you need two? That's like taking the money off your credit card, paying interest, and putting it under your mattress until you need it. (laughs) You know, so you, you need to plan your rounds. So you plan your burn, you plan your round, and you try to keep the rounds smaller at, you know, typically like three rounds to an exit. And this process eliminates some of the big problems that people have and why they fail. Absolutely. And that's great stories, great advice. I totally agree with you on the, in terms of, you know, uh, going into the business with having a finite goal in your mind. I've discussed that with multiple of my previous speakers and most of them said that, you know, it's not that necessary to have the acquisition plan in place. I'm totally on your page here if you have that finite goal that you're looking up to. Uh, it's just much easier to run the business. But we'll cover that. So let's go and talk a little more about your personal experience. It's clear that you are uh, super experienced. You had so many exits, but I believe that you've acquired all that knowledge by your personal failure. So I'm curious, what's the thing that looking back at all those successes, looking back at all your experience and your career, What's the major thing that you've done wrong? What do you think? Like, what would you change? I mean, shit, I made all the mistakes. You know? <laughs> I mean, that the boss is not just out of uh, my, you know, studying other people's mistakes and other people's successes, but also my own. So I'll, an example is I was building a company and I was building it for like, let me see, probably at that point, five, five, six years. And I had built up a customer base and Uh I went to try to sell the business and they were like, well, half of your customers aren't in the ICP that we have. So we're not going to give you any credit for those. We'll give you credit for the other half, but not for these. So I got one X multiple on one half and five X multiple (laughs) on the other half. And I realized I was like, holy shit, man, this is a serious issue. I need to fix this before I sell. So I went back to my business. I turned down the offer, went back to my business. And I terminated half the customers and then I rebuilt the company so that all the customers fit the same ICP as the buyers that I had planned. And I sold that business to eBay. So I went from almost going out of business and losing a transaction to an award-winning transaction with, uh, you know, one of the largest companies at the time, it was one of the largest companies on the planet. It was bigger than uh, Amazon. So you know, you have this this huge s- success from a lesson that was learned the hard way. And I mean, the hard way, right? I mean, it was very painful. That's one lesson. I can tell you another one, which is where, you know, the best analogy I can use is I was studying the fire department because I've interviewed the Navy SEALs and, and you know, m- multiple branches of the military. You know, I have a, actually an interview coming up with the CIA. So done a lot of lot of interviews with people to try to figure out how they run processes. You know, how do they do this? How does this happen? Mm-hmm. How do they how does it work? You know, how do these incredibly efficient teams operate so magically? And the fire department in California, we have a lot of wired wildfires, right? So these things they just get out of control. Yeah. So I asked him I said, "How do you how do you deal with the fires?" And the guy said he's like, "Look, you don't try to put out the fire because if you try to put out the fire, it just runs in front of you and behind you and all over the place. What you do is you prevent the fire from spreading. 
So you make fire lines. These are like roads uh, or burnt areas that the fire can't double back on. And then you get the, the fire encased. So that's what they call a containment. So one, if, it's, if the area is a square, which is the easiest to explain, one line would be 25% contained, two lines would be 50% contained and so on. So when you have a fire in your business, you, you know, a lot of the mistakes and the mistakes that I made is putting urgent before important. So the urgent thing is telling you, put out the fire, put out the fire. The important thing is like, let's not focus on that. Let's just make sure we get it contained. Because a lot of businesses, you go into these companies, you sit at a conference table and everybody's on their phone, they're on their computer, they're walking in and out. And you're like, what in the hell is actually going on here? Like, how is this business so disorganized and have so many fires that these people can't sit in a meeting for 10 minutes and pay attention, right? That is a sign mm -hmm. for a company that really needs to step back and draft standardization, best practices, and things that are going to keep the company moving smoothly. You know, <clears throat> the whole idea of an urgent thing being a canary in the mine, right? Urgent thing, canaries in the mine, canary dies because of toxic gas, everybody leaves the mine, right? So the idea of looking at a situation and saying, okay, this is urgent, and first saying, how did this happen? So dealing with the urgent thing is stopping it from spreading and then saying, how did this happen in the first place? So it doesn't happen again. Most of the time people put a Band-Aid on it and they go as business as you, and then it happens again. And then it happens again and again and again and again. And those businesses are not high performing businesses and usually will live a short life. Right, right. So yeah, now that we've discussed that, hopefully no one's canary will die in the mine and you'll be able to, <laughs> to prevent that. You know? uh, but let's talk about Boss Capital Partners. How does it work? What do you invest in through Boss Capital Partners? Yeah, so Boss Capital Partners was born out of, so, you know, I've been talking about Boss for a long time and I get a lot of people submitting deals, uh, entrepreneurs submitting deals. And, and I was making investments into the deals for a long time, but then I decided there's so many good deals here and I have all these investors coming to me because of my track record. And so I created Boss Capital Partners. I drafted in a couple of uh, people that I've known that are really amazing people to work with me. Um, a bunch of investors that are really cool, knowledgeable investors that understand Boss and have seen the success that Boss has. And so people submit, you know, entrepreneurs submit their deals to gregoryshepard.com. And then I look at the deals and uh, that's that's how the whole thing works. So we're a syndicate, we're not a fund. So we uh, individually fund each business through an SPV, a special purpose vehicle. And that's how the whole thing works. And uh, we are very boutique. So we do like one deal every three months because me and the other folks in the business really get involved to make sure that uh, the entrepreneur succeeds. We want to keep our track record. Mm -hmm. Got it. And now, I mean, 90 plus percent of my listeners are startup founders or executives. Now, the major question probably a lot of them have is, should I submit to gregoryshepherd.com or not? So what stage do you like to invest in or do you have a specific field that you're interested in? So there's five stages to me. Okay. So that's pre-seed, seed, series seed, A and B. We do series seed. So that's after seed. What that means is the product validate. There's five levels in a business also like stages, ideation, proof of concept, 
and then validation. We're at validation, which is the third, which is series seed. So this is where you have a customer or some customers that prove that the product that you built is completed to at least to minimal viable product and it's validated by customers paying for the product. You can have just a few customers, but there has to be something proving that you're paying for the, that the customers are buying your product. And, and then we go from there. <clears throat> and for your listeners to know too, the value drivers, these are valuation drivers that they need to make sure they have are growth, margin, and retention. Growth says people like your product. Retention says that people continue, that it's sticky, you know, that people continue to like your product and margin says you can do it at scale. Right, right. Yeah, that's perfect definition of what you invest in. I've personally never heard pre, oh, I already forgot the term that you've used. Pre-seed. Pre-seed, what's after seed? Seed. Yeah, what's seed. after that that you invest Series in? Series seed. Series seed. That's the term I've never heard of. That's pretty interesting and uh Clearly yeah, so if you, if you look, walk through the process, right? Uh -huh. So there's five stages of the maturity of the business. So ideation is pre-seed. means you have an idea and you're trying to work on it. It's pre-seed. Accelerators get involved at that stage. And then seed, this is where you have a proof of concept. So you've built your widget or whatever, right? And then after that is series seed. Now your widget is built and you've sold it to a customer and now you need to start getting into growth. So think of it as pre-growth. A round is a growth round and B round is a scale round. So, you know, these stages of funding align with the maturity and the levels of the business as they move through their life cycle. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Yeah, perfect definition. And here we're moving on to the last question of today's episode, which is a call to action. So what's the one thing you want the listener to do as soon as the episode is over? I, you know... I, I would suggest that you go to my website and go into boss and there's 60 second, inf, you know, explainer videos and I've done a hundred. I mean, I've done a lot of work and I continue to do a ton of work. Um, and I put it in the social media and the website, there's a newsletter and it's all there for you entrepreneurs to help you so that you don't have to go through the minefield that I went through and we can make a path to help make it a little bit easier um and help more entrepreneurs succeed there's so many good ideas there's so many good people we need to help with this wealth distribution thing entrepreneurs traditionally don't have that money much money when they start that's why they're raising capital and i'm trying to make more of a millionaires so i've built all this for you it's all free just go there and just learn about it perfect perfect call to action i'll make sure that i'll leave a link to uh that website and yeah my call to action is go to the description of this episode and if you're too early for gregory if you're not if you're currently at the ideation side stage definitely go to the description of this episode i'll leave another link to make it studio the venture studio where i work because we work with those ideation stages so whoever you are pretty much go to the description of this episode you'll find something useful there and Thank you, Gregory, for coming up and have a great day, everyone.